Change. How many of you have an area in your life right now that you would like to change? See, the 830 service, they're perfect. Because there, there was only like, right, Mike? Right, yeah, there was only like 20 people that needed to change the area of their life. And I tried to dismiss the rest of them. Like, I tried to absolutely let them go, but they stayed anyway. Um, change. We, we all have areas of our life that we would love to change. And one of the massive uh, tricks, facades of the enemy is to get us to think that we can't change. We've tried and 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 tried, and and I just cannot change this area of my life. But I would submit to you today, the Bible is so good in the fact that it gives us a roadmap for change. It gives us a roadmap to not worry anymore. It gives us a roadmap to not live in fear. gives us a roadmap to to come out of addiction. gives us a roadmap... To, to change those areas of our life where we just haven't been able to figure out how to do ourselves, And so I want to I talk about that today. If, if you look at Galatians, in, in Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, in 2012, March of 2012, I preached on change. And I used this illustration, and most of you can't remember last night, so I'll use it again. You won't know because we're all getting older, right? Because look, here's so, 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 what's so funny is I'll, I'll ask my wife, baby, did I wear this shirt last week? And she's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if you don't remember, nobody else is going to remember, so we're good. But, but anyway, so, so I use the analogy of this couple that on their 60th anniversary, been married 60 years, and they love to dance. And watching them dance was magical. Because, I mean, as old as they were, they both knew where the other one was going every step of the way. And so they're, they're dancing and they're keeping in step with one another. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25. They would dance. And any of you who've been married any amount of time would know you, you you know you know your spouse better than anybody else does, right? You know we're going you know where your husband's gonna leave his dirty clothes, right? And and you know when your wife's in a certain mood just to keep your mouth shut. Sports Center, <laughs> God created Sports Center for marriage. I'm just kidding. Don't quote me on that. Raina's not here today, so don't quote me on that. So, so, but the idea of if, if we're going to change, so here, here's the deal. God gives us this roadmap, and, and the directions for this roadmap the Jeep, is the Spirit of God in our lives. So, since we live by the Spirit, we're born of the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I'm all about reading. I read a lot. I, I read mostly leadership and organizational things. But there are some great self-help books out there. But can I just tell you this? If Jesus is not the X factor, if God and the Holy Spirit is not the X factor in those books, it's just really a bunch of hogwash. It really is. Some good stuff, right? But the Bible gives us great stuff. And the the idea behind keeping in step with the Spirit is, is Jesus said, I must go away so another can come. That was the Holy Spirit. And now we have this director of our lives, this this counselor, this leader, the, the Spirit of God that will help us in every area. So if you need change in an area of your life, if you worry too much, 
If you, maybe forever, you wanted to change your health. If you struggle with addiction. If, if, you, if, if you're like, you know what, I've tried, tried. But maybe you've not allowed the Holy Spirit into that area of your life. Because you feel like you have to hide it. And you feel like you're trying to do it on your own. And God's saying today, look, this book's all about change. That's what this book's about. It's about change. And how do I do that? I keep in step with the Spirit. And I let the Holy Spirit lead me through that change. So let's get going. Number one, if I'm going to change, I've got to get determined. Determination. Galatians 5.1 is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I got to get determined. Think about this just for a second. How many areas of your life are you really determined to make work? It's a good question, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've got to, I'm determined to get to work on time or I'm going to get fired. <laughs> right? I'm determined to hate my boss because he's demonic. <laughs> I'm determined, you know, I'm in. in and I'm just making a joke there, but, but we determine a lot of things in our minds without even knowing that we're determining them. I, I'm determined to be bitter because someone hurt me a long time ago. But if I want to change outside of that bitterness and I want to get over that, I've got to determine in my own heart, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have to get determined. And so... A massive, again, trick of the enemy is to try to convince us in our own minds, and we'll talk about the mind in just a second, that we can't change. We can't change. And so then we, we come into a, a state of, I'm just going to get by, and I, I'll get determined in other areas of my life where people re- respect things out of me, but I, I know I can't change this area of my life. I've been dealing with this for years. You can't. But you got to get determined. Look at this next scripture. How do I get determined? You realize you're not alone. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. That's verse 1 of Hebrews 12. So, so in other words, we're not alone in the fact of being determined and we can persevere. Perseverance... And determination go hand in hand. Because you can't persevere without determination. Right? Any runners in here? Any people who have ever done some of those stupid things called marathons? Okay, yeah. Or uh, triathlons? I've done a few of those. And it's just stupid to do to yourself. But, you know, but since I've done a few, I can tell you that, that it, I can say they're stupid because they're absolutely idiotic. You can't persevere... In a marathon, you can't persevere in a triathlon unless you first determine in your mind you're going to finish. You can't. You, you, can't, you can't do it, can you, Nathan? <laughs> we did one together. <laughs> you, 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 there, there's no way. And so how do I do that? I get people around me. I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And obviously the Bible's talking about those who have gone before us and Jesus Christ. But I also get people around me in my everyday life. If I'm going to do a race, I've got to get people around me. They're going to call me at 4.30 in the morning and say, hey, you've got to be at work by 8. You've got to get up. We're going to go work out. 
And so I have to be determined to answer that call. I have to be determined. And so then I've got to persevere. If you're going to change any area of your life, you want your marriage to change, get determined it's going to work. Quit saying what if. Quit saying what if, what if, what if. Quit trying to get an exit strategy. A lot of, a lot of married people right now, man, they spend more time on how to get out of the marriage than they do pouring into the marriage. Like, how can I get out of this? You figure this out. If you would spend that much time thinking about how you can make it work, it will work. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So if I'm going to think about determination, I've got to think about Jesus. Because he was determined. All the way to the point where we find him in a garden saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was determined on doing the will of God. He was determined to change the sin factor in humanity. And so if we're going to pattern ourselves after someone, let's do it after Jesus because he was determined. Good? Number two, I changed my thought life. Oh boy. We talk about this a lot. And you say, well, Jason, why do you talk about thought life so, so much? Because we all think. Most of us do. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to who? Christ. If I'm truly going to change an area of my life, I have to change the way I think. Because my thoughts become my actions and my actions become who I am. And I don't know, maybe some of you are perfect, but this is where I live. I have to guard the way I think. I have to completely, you know, you know what, I have, to, I have to control. And that's what 2 Corinthians 10.5 is saying. It's not saying go do some mumbo jumbo weird stuff so that your mind can be cleared. It's saying, no, you take that thought captive. You grab it. You grab that, and you know the thought I'm talking about, because all of us, it's different for all of us, right? But you know that thought, that, that area that you struggle with, and when fear or worry starts to creep in, and you start thinking about that stuff, and you're thinking about it, and you're thinking about it, and you're thinking about it, and all of a sudden it becomes reality to you because you've thought about it so much. That thing that you don't want to do, but you keep doing, but you don't want to do, like Paul said, that thing started with a thought. What are we thinking about? I had great parents growing up. But they never once asked me what I was thinking about. If you're young parents here and, and you, you have young kids, at, talk to them. Hey, what are, you, what are you thinking about? Raina and I do that back and forth. Like if I'm off in a day somewhere, she'll go, hey, what are you thinking about? Let's talk about it. And most of the time it's pretty trivial. But sometimes pretty deep. It's, it's, it's like I'm trying to grab that thought. Yeah, what are you thinking? What are you, hey, what you been thinking about? What have you actually been thinking about? Ask your kids what they're thinking about. Ask them what they're dreaming about. So if I'm going to actually change, I have to change my thought line. Take that thought captive. I, I had a dog, best dog ever. Ever. And don't tell the previous or the one. I have Goose now. and Don't tell him. I said that. I've always had labs, right? But Jeb was his name. Jeb. My grandfather's name was Jamie Emmett Byers. 
and my grandfather was very influential in my life. We were, we were best buds. And so I got this dog, and you could tell immediately this dog, he was one of a kind, right? And don't tell Goose that when you see him. Got Jeb, and man, he, uh, I mean, just amazing, amazing dog. Great hunting dog, great to be around, fun dog, very protective. And, um, but he had this one, one fault. That joker could get out of any gate, anywhere, at any time. I think he had thumbs. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I don't, like, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't understand how he would do that. And so, um, so anyway, the, uh, so he would get out, and we'd have to go find him. He'd get out, and we'd have to go find him. And whenever he would get out, it would create chaos. Because my kids loved him, I loved him, and my wife really loved him. And, and he's, he's with Jesus now. And so, but we, it was like, Jeb, what are you doing? And he would have this knack of finding somewhere to, like, people would pick him up. And he didn't care. He's wagging his tail. And, and he always knew he would get to come back home. That He knew that. But it would create chaos in our family when he would get out. Christmas morning, six years ago, maybe seven, six or seven years ago, my, both of my kids were still at home. They're, they're grown now. He... He got out on Christmas morning, and I was in it. I was done. I'm like, let the dog go. He'll come back. He's been resurrected like eight times. It's going to be okay. It's Christmas morning, and we're supposed to be having joy, and we're supposed to be opening presents, and, and you know, I'm smoking a turkey, and Raina's making monkey bread, and it's Christmas. But my family wouldn't have it. Created chaos. It did. It created chaos on a, a morning that was supposed to be intended to be great. And so me and Dylan get on our bikes. Raina and Chelsea get, get in the car and we scour the neighborhood. Now remember I'm talking about taking your thoughts captive. Because when you let your thoughts run wild, it creates chaos. Not only for you, but those around you. We're riding around the neighborhood just like I'd done a hundred times before. And I'm, I start praying. I'm like, God, let's find this dog, you know, and this guy. And, you know, but Chelsea and Rain are really praying. They're like, oh, Father, bring the dog home. For the ninth time, bring him home. The 80th time, who knows? I mean, and so this is, this is the funny part of the story. It's kind of, so, so they, they see Jeb, and he's in the front yard playing with this man and this little girl. So they pull up and oh, thank you, you found our dog. And he said, "This isn't your dog. This is this is our dog." Now, my wife is not a confrontational person. Actually, it makes her sick to even confront someone. But she loved that dog. Now, my daughter is like me, and she could give a rip. So she gets out of the car. She's like fourteen at the time. She goes, "That's our dog." <laughs> and the guy goes. No, 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 no. I told my little girl that she was going to get a dog for Christmas and the dog just showed up. And if you're here today, we can talk after church. <laughs> and so my daughter, check this out, Glenn. Chelsea says, and he goes, no, he, he, here's what's his comment. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I, we, we asked Santa for a dog and this dog showed up and my daughter goes, 14 years old. I tell you what you do, get a job, go buy a dog, and give it to your kid. Because <laughs> that's my dog. <laughs> but you know, It's true, absolutely true story. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe it's true, but it is true. But, but 
Think about this. Jeb running away that morning created so much chaos on a morning that should have been great. How many days of our life do we let our thoughts run a buck? We just let them go. And it creates chaos in our own life, stomach ulcers, and then for those around us. Instead of just taking them captive. Right? Take them captive. Number three. I changed my daily habits. Deuteronomy 30, 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live. Every day of our life, we get the freedom of choice. Praise God for the great country we live in that we get to do that. And praise God for a God that allowed us to choose whether or not we were going to love Him. But right here, it's telling us every day, life or death, blessings or curse. And my choices are fleshed out. Now watch this. If, I'm, if I want to change an area of my life, my choices totally determine every day. My choices determine whether or not I... If somebody looked at me and said, Hey, Jason, you said you really wanted to change the area of your life, but today you chose this, 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 and this. Hey, Jason, you said you really wanted to get more healthy, but you ate McDonald's for breakfast, you ate Wendy's for lunch, you had a can of Pringles for a snack, you, um, and then you fried everything that you ate. And I love fried food, don't get me wrong. I had some fried gator yesterday from the Seafood Grand Festival. That was, <clears throat> I'm going to have some more today. But I will get up and work out tomorrow, right? But, but, but if, if you, you habitually make the same decisions every day and, and, and your daily habits are the same, nothing's going to change. Think about that for a second. I think that somebody said one time the definition of an insanity is doing the same thing every time hoping to get a different result. Well, I'm wrong. But you get the picture, right? Yeah, yeah like you, you, you keep doing the same thing and you're like, oh, Lord, change this area of my life. Father, change this area of my life. Oh, God, would you please change this area of my life? I mean, if you struggle with pornography, don't have a computer that you're not somebody that in your life you're not accountable to. Oh, can you say pornography in church? Yeah, because a lot of people in this room right now struggle with that. It's a real church here. If you want a facade church, there's plenty around somewhere, sure. If you... If you it, if you struggle with alcoholism, don't hang out with your buddies at the bar. It doesn't make any sense. You're like, well, I'm just ministering to them. <laughs> well, invite them to your house. I have to change my habits if I want true change in my life. Let's look at this next passage right here. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap. Destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What would my daily habits say about me if we were talking about sowing and reaping? Where am I sowing? That's the question. What am I sowing into? Like what we, we just did this, this series on stewardship, and we talked about sowing and reaping and so take that back to a place of what are my what would my daily habits? Where am I sowing my daily habits? It, do I have a habit of getting up every day and reading the Bible? <laughs> no, too busy for that. I'm too important. I have to be at work early. Okay. 
Well, you're, then you're, your habit is to be at work early and to stay late, and you're going to reap out of that work. Maybe it's abundance in finance, but I can assure you it's not going to be abundance spiritually and with your family. Very applicable message today, applicable message of, hey, what habits do I have in my life that I could change this week that are going to, they're going to pay off in a different outcome. If I want to change that area of my life, I've got to change my daily habits. Because whatever I sow, I'm going to reap. It's a law of nature. Right? If you plant an apple seed, what do you get? Yeah. Whatever I sow, I'm going to reap. And so I have to look really deep into my life. And this is, un- this is what I like to call uncomfortable Christianity. Because that's what Christianity is, or should be. It should always keep you on the edge. Eternity is comfortable because we know we've been saved. We've committed Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But the journey, many times, should be filled with uncomfortable moments. Friction. Like, and because anything worth having is worth working for. And so I can sit back on cruise control. Like, I can, I can completely put it on cruise control and say, you know what? I'm... I'm good, I'm saved, and I'm never going to get over this area of my life, and so I don't even know why I'm going to try, so I'm not going to try anymore because trying is uncomfortable, and I'm just going to keep going with this habit in my life until it reaps destruction in my life because I'm sowing to my sinful nature. Or, I could take the Lamborghini off cruise control, hit the gas pedal of my spiritual life, and go, you know what, I'm going to change some things up. Anybody ever drove a Lamborghini? Don't raise your hand, I hate you. There's a reason they don't put cruise controls on motorcycles, like dirt bikes. There, there's a re- I grew up racing dirt bikes. There's a reason there's no cruise control on a dirt bike. Because it makes no sense. Think about it. Oh, I'm going to put it in third gear and I'm going to go, oh, this. No! Boom! 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 Oh, I just crashed. And spiritually, we do that sometimes. I broke many bones on a motorcycle. Now, kids are in here. I don't approve of motorcycles, so you can... I do, but I don't. So tell your parents. That's between you guys. It, but, but, but how boring would it be to have a cruise control on a dirt bike? That's what we do in our spiritual walk many times. You know what? I'm just going to ease through it. This is when the cruise control goes off and this is when you hit that jump and your, your stomach falls out the bottom is when you say, you know what? I've been doing this every day for the last four years and today, God, with your help and by your spirit, I am not going to do that today. Change. And, and, and we use this analogy a lot here because this is where we live. If you have ten chances tomorrow to change a habit and you fail nine times but you do it once, guess what? That's one more time than you did it yesterday. And after you're done, two times, three times, four times, five times, until you get to, you know what, I've overcome that because Jesus overcame the world. I, I'm not, I no longer struggle with that. I've changed that area of my life. We don't win every time because we're human. Man, if you can win once this week, win. I dare you. Because winning's a lot funner than losing. Isn't it? Yeah. 
Next thing. Change. If I want to truly change, I constantly judge my actions against the fruit of the Spirit. If I'm going to stay in step with the Spirit, and God's given me this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is this. Galatians 5, 16-23. It's, it's lengthy, but you can't read some of it without reading all of it, so just stick with me. Galatians 5, 16-23. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. I love that. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. None of us have to really guess what sin is. Because the Bible tells us sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, so stop that, and now we get the good news. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, say them with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. Let's talk about self-control for a second. How many of you have that down? You got good self-control? No. The fruit of the Spirit is created, was created by God to give us a mirror to look at or put our lives up against the mirror of the fruit of the Spirit and it's the plumb line that we judge our actions to. Think about the last time that you made a really stupid decision. And in that decision, did you really say, you know what, is this answer, is this conclusion, does it line up with the fruit of the Spirit? I, I over the years, have written many things for, for both my kids, but... When I took my son to um, on his graduation trip to high school, we went to Colorado and snowboarding and whitewater rafting. And over the years, I had compiled this list of things, which I won't share with you because that's personal. Maybe he'll share them one day, or maybe I will when he's he's really older. But one of the things that I I honed in on on, on cer- a certain amount of comments was self control. Self control can be your best friend. Although all things are permissible, everything's not right for you. And so self-control can determine what kind of path my life takes. And, and many of us in this room right now would, you know, would say, you know what, Jason, I'm, I'm a living product of that, and I am. I'm a living product of, you know, a lot of you don't know my story, but I'm not some pastor's kid that, you know, I've been, I've been around. And God found me, chased me, set me free, delivered me, and, and called me to preach the gospel. And what I've learned over, over the years is self-control is something that I have to put in the mirror of my life. Patience. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Who, who loves to be patient? I just wake up every day saying, I want to wait today. Jury duty? Anybody? <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We live in a faithless generation. But am, am I living my life 
In, in other words, so if I take my life and, and my life is looking into the mirror of the fruit of the Spirit, am I judging my everyday actions and my habits and my thoughts against, because thoughts become actions which are habits. Habits get us to a place where, hey, that's who I am. That's reality. It's just reality. If, I, if I'm negative every day of my life and I hate people, then I'm going to have, I'm going to be a negative person. If I'm a negative person, there are going to be people that dodge me at work. There are going to be people in my life that, well, why? And see, it's a vicious cycle. If I'm not kind to people and I'm really, I hate people, and, and no, I know none of you would ever say, I hate people. But our actions show that sometimes. And then it's a vicious cycle because then all the people that dodge you because you're so negative dodge you even more and then you get mad because no one wants to talk to you. Some of you right now are saying, oh yeah, I know what he's talking about. That, that one person at work, you know, we all have to, we have to look in the mirror of the fruit of the Spirit, especially as Christ followers, and say, you know what, am I, am I judging all this through the lens of the fruit of the Spirit? My actions have to be judged by the Holy Spirit in my life. If you're serving communion, you can be dismissed. Last thing, go quick. I'll, just, I'll give it a second because I can't even pay attention when they do that. Much less you. Good? Don't miss this one. I get a vision for change. If I really want to change, I've got to get a vision. Galatians 5, 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I get a vision for change in my life. Whatever area of my life that I know, that I know, that I know, that I'm not living in reference to this Word, I have to get a long-term picture of how my life looks if I choose life instead of death, if I choose blessings instead of curses. i got to get a vision for that. Get a vision for what change looks like in that area of your life. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Get a vision for change. And maybe you're here today, man, you feel beat down. You feel beat down, you're tired. And you're like, you know what, in that area of my life, I've just, I know that I can't, I can't, over, I can't change that area of my life. Yeah, you can. <clears throat> and let me tell you why. Because we serve a God that had a vision for us. We serve a God that had a vision for our spiritual sickness. And there needed to be a change. And, and there's Jesus. Look at, look at this next scripture right here. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. See, if I, I really want to change and I have no vision for that change, and I've taught you this, that word vision in its original text means to run about chaotically. We just got through doing a, a whole month on our church's vision, right? And, and, and by the way, if you're new to our church or you weren't here, that's on a thumb drive out, out in the tent. You can grab it, throw it on your computer. All four of that part of that vision is on there and some other stuff about our church. It's really cool. If you don't know what a thumb drive is, we'll have you a CD next week, okay? No cassettes anymore, but a CD. But 
in my own life, if I really want to change an area of my life, but I don't get a vision for the victory of that change. See, that's what drives you to change, is the, what it looks like if I actually do get to change. What does it look like if, if I live a healthy lifestyle and I'm around when my grandkids are around? What's it look like if, if my marriage does make it? Get a vision for that. See it. Look at it. It's, it's almost tangible. Or else we can say we want to change all we want. We run about chaotically. It's what we do. We just run around like we're crazy people. Which we are crazy people, but we don't have to run around like that. Because we have a God that had a vision for us spiritually change. So watch this. God said, there's a sin problem. There's a sin problem. And I, I've got the solution. And it's my only son. God got a vision for us spiritually. God got a vision to spend eternity with us in heaven. God got that vision and Jesus said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go and I'll give my life as a ransom for many. I won't go to be served, but I'll go to serve. I'm going to go. And he did. He came. And if you look at 2 Corinthians right here, 5.17, it says this. You want to talk about vision. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And maybe you're here today, and you know what, you say, Jason, spiritually I feel old. I just don't, like I'm, I feel, I know I'm not at peace with God. The Bible says right here, in so, in, in so many words, you put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and the Bible says that you're made into a new creation. The old goes away doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with some different things in your life. Every, it just simply means spiritually that you're made right in the eyes of God. And again, this is not me talking. This is the Bible. This is the... And we don't argue that here. We believe the Bible is perfect. It's God's Word. It's Spirit-breathed. The new is here. So the question is, before we have communion today... Do you need some newness in your life spiritually? Do you need to be at peace with God? And the Bible is very plain. The only way to do that is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Tell him, man, it's true. It's true. And, and many people in this room right now, we're sitting where you're sitting years ago or maybe last week or maybe the week before. So you know what? I stepped out in faith and I put my faith in Jesus and I felt the old start going away. It's a process. I felt the new come. Wow. It's a brilliant way to live. So I want to pray with you. You bow your heads all over this place. If that's you, you say, Jason, I'm, I'm here today and I, I desperately, I need change in my life and I need the old to go away and I need some newness. That's you, I want to pray with you. You say, you know what, I'm ready. Just like those people in the first service, maybe you're ready to put your faith in Jesus. If that's you all over this room right now, would you just slip your hand up? Just really, I see your hand, thanks. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand, thanks. I see your hand in the back, thanks. You have to slip it up, slip it right back down. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Let the old go. It's time for a new season. It's time for newness. Time for the love and the grace and mercy of God to flood your soul. Start over. God allows do-overs. Anyone else?
And I want to make that confession of faith today. Only you can do that. No one else can do that for you. Anyone else? So if you raised your hand, just by virtue of you doing that before the Lord, God, God's already changing your heart. I want to pray with you. And nothing magical about this prayer, but I'd love to, to pray with you. And, and then I can't wait to have communion with you today. And after, we, after church today, would you go out to the tent and get a Bible? If you raised your hand, get a Bible. They're free. Get a devotion. And maybe even talk with someone about your decision. But let's pray right now. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me with your love. And thank you that right now, I'm being made new. And your love and your grace and your mercy are flooding my soul. And I'm confessing in my heart right now, Father, that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. I believe that he was placed in a grave and he rose from that grave on the third day. He's in heaven. He's coming back for me one day. I actually believe that, God. And by virtue of my belief in Jesus, your word says that I am being made new at this very moment. I know it's not going to be easy for people around me to help me, but I do know that I'm, I'm going to walk this out and I'm so thankful for newness. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you for the newness that's available in Jesus. We ask today as we go forward that we would be honest with ourselves in those areas that maybe we need to change. In Jesus' name, amen.